scripture tonight comes from Luke chapter 18, 9 through 14. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. Oh, Heavenly Father, um, we are grateful. I am grateful. Um, I want to thank you for RUF um, and what it does. Um, I want to thank you for everyone in this room, um, new faces, old faces, um, faces that are scared, faces that are confused. Um, be with us this next week um, as we guide a busy part of this, um, as we go through a busy part of this semester. Um, I want to thank you for Chris Horn. Um, be with him tonight as he brings your word. Um, we thank you for your word. Um, it is good is, and it is true than when it's scary. Um, we love you. Amen. Really good to see you guys tonight. A special welcome. Some of you guys I talked to, this is your first um, time with us at RUF. And I just want to say that we... Um, are really glad that you're here as a guest and as a new friend and hope that we get to know you. Um, this is a community of people, some of whom are Christians, some of whom aren't, some of whom are trying to figure it out. And uh, the short of it is that you're welcome here. And um, we're just trying to sort of ask questions about Jesus and the Bible together and work those things together. So uh, my name's Chris. Let me know if there's a way that I can help you feel welcome um, in this place. I uh, hope you guys had a good Halloween. Um, I, it was fine. Um, <laughs> I love Halloween. Uh, I'm not a very festive individual, um, clearly, but uh, my children dressed up and it was great when trick-or-treating, but this is just a warning for next year. Um, at my house, we give out full-size candy bars on Halloween, okay? We had four trick-or-treaters, so that meant we had 40 leftover full-size candy bars. So I say that to your shame, um, that you should come to my house next year and get candy bars. Um, because, you know, Jesus loves us, and so we just return that in full-size snicker form every Halloween. Um, uh, so there, there's a lot of things that, um, you know, it's like, I like, I, in my mind, I'm like kind of, I'm like, oh, I'm not that far off from where you guys are, and you guys laugh because you're like, you're old. And um, so I listened to about your experience in class, and some things like are, are different, some things are still the same. One of the things that's still the same that continues to baffle me is how often in class you guys have discussions guided by your professor about whether people are basically good or people are basically bad. How many of you have like had that discussion in class? That's a lot of people. Okay, um, the reason why it amazes me that that question still gets asked all the time is because, like, prob- probably almost everyone, if not everyone in your class, said people are basically good. Like, it's almost you. Like, whenever that discussion comes up in class, there's always like the one person that talks to me later, and they're like, 
I was the one that said, I think people are, are basically bad. And everyone looked at me weird and asked why I was like so depressed and such a downer about um, humanity. And I think the reason why that question keeps getting asked, that question was asked when I was in college all the time. Um, and the reason why people keep saying that people are basically good, number one is because you're in college and therefore you probably don't have children yet. And so you look at a baby and you go, oh, it's just a pure, innocent being. And I know better because I have three children and um, they're vipers and diapers, man. And uh, they, they don't come out like seeking your good. Uh, I can tell you that. All of my children, like I never had to train a child. Like, I, I, I was helping my daughter get into the bath tonight and she had this huge gash on her arm. And I was like, what? She was like, Bonnie, like her sister, you know, no big deal. Just like scratched me. Like I didn't have to teach her like the technique to scratch, you know. Um, but we, we keep asking that question and um, we've been told for a long time that like how we perceive ourselves determines how happy we're going to be in life. You know, like if you have problems, it's because you have low self-esteem and you just need to like think better, you know, more highly of yourself. Um, And the question stands for us tonight because it's an important one. Are we basically like okay and good? um, Or are we basically evil and sort of like undeserving and needy people? Like do we need to have higher self-esteem or do we need to have lower self-esteem? And Jesus is actually talking about this question tonight in the the story called a parable um, in Luke's gospel. There's four gospels written about the life of Jesus and this is Luke's account. And um, he tells a story. There's one guy who's a Pharisee. We'll talk about what that means. Who thinks really highly of himself. Like he has high self-esteem. And then there's this guy who's a tax collector. And he thinks, he, he thinks very lowly of himself. He thinks he's like the literal worst. And um, the difference that Jesus is talking about here is, is not so much that one guy has high self-esteem and the other guy has low self-esteem. The point he's trying to make, and Luke says this at the beginning is that there one guy trusts himself, trusts in himself. He esteems himself highly. He loves himself. And the other guy esteems God. He trusts God. He, under, he, he sees himself as someone that is, needs mercy and is coming to God in a very needy way. And what I want to talk about tonight, if you have a handout, there's some, you can, there's some fill in the blank tonight. Next week I'm going to do word search. Um, uh, or one of those things where it's like some of the letters are missing. Maybe, I don't know. Um, uh, what I want us to look at is what does it do to us if we trust ourselves versus if we trust God? Does that make sense? Whether we esteem ourselves, have self-esteem, or whether we esteem God, have God esteem. So the first thing I want us to look at is that self-trust makes us insecure, but God-trust gives us rest. Okay, self-trust makes us insecure, but God trusts gives us rest. Um, Jesus starts this parable, it's like a joke. You know, it's like a Pharisee and a tax collector walk into church. And um, the Pharisee, that was really lame. Um, okay, and um, the, the Pharisee, if you don't know, um, Pharisees were this very devout sect of Judaism. Very serious Jews. They were like the... the what we would consider like evangelical Christians of their day. Like they took the Bible seriously. They were serious about following God. And he walks into the temple, which is where you would go to church to worship. He walks in, he poses sort of in front of everyone. He lifts his head, lifts his hands, and he starts to pray out loud. 
okay? So everyone in the temple could hear him. And um, he starts praying, and he says, God, like he, he, his prayer is to God, but then he talks about himself for a long time. Um, he starts listing his spiritual resume. He's like the guy that gets an award, and he's like, I just want to thank God that I'm awesome. Um, that, especially when he says, like, thank you, God, that I'm not like all these other lame people that are bad guys. Thank you that I just, like, do everything right. Like, he, he um, fasts twice a week. Like, in the Old Testament, God's like, hey, there's like a couple times of the year you got to fast. Okay? You would, if you were seriously spiritual, you might fast once a week. This guy fasts twice a week. And he ties on everything he gets. If he finds a dollar on the ground, you know, he tithes a dime. He gives that back to the church. He's just talking to God about how awesome he is and listing off his resume. And when we are, when we are self-trusting, when we're self-esteeming, we're always keeping a list. Okay? We're keeping a running list. Because when we're trusting ourselves, this is what we think. We think, I have value because of the things that I do. If I do things, and if I sort of um, get accolades, if I make the right friends, if I accomplish things, then I have worth. Okay, Tim Kreider, he wrote in, uh, in the New York Times an article, and you guys, you guys will relate to this, probably. He said, almost everyone I know is busy. They feel anxious and guilty when they aren't either working or doing something to promote their work. You guys just feel guilty when you're not working? Um, I do. Uh, it's like I go to work and I feel guilty that I'm not home with my family and then I go home and I feel guilty I'm not working. You guys know that? Well, you don't know that. But um, Busyness serves as a kind of existential reassurance, a hedge against emptiness. Obviously, your life cannot possibly be silly or trivial or meaningless if you are so busy, completely booked, and in demand every hour of the day. When we are trusting ourselves, we think the things that I do define me. And the things that I do give me worth and value. So the more I accomplish, whatever that might be, it might be socially, might be with girls, might be with guys, might be in school, might be in your career. Um, the more we accomplish, the more valuable we are. And it's never enough. Those you guys know this, like if you came into college on scholarship and you went into the honors college and you were like, I could have gone to Chapel Hill, but I went to App anyway. Um, and you know, you're like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be like a big fish in the App State pond, you know. Um, you know that even though you have achieved that, it's still, it's still never enough. When we're, when we're self-trusting, we're insecure, tired, anxious, and miserable because we can never do enough to make ourselves feel good all the time. Um, did, did you guys see that thing with the, the girl on Instagram? that like went back and changed all the captions on her Instagram pictures? Okay. Um, this girl... Essena O'Neill? I don't know. She's from Australia. Do they even speak English? I'm not sure. Um, The answer is yes, they do speak English in Australia. Just in case you guys are like, I don't know. I'm not sure. Um, But she's like, she was like, sort of like, I guess, like a fashion Instagram, like beauty Instagram person that people have just like followed her because she was very beautiful. And she went through and changed all the captions on her Instagram pictures and said what it really took to make that picture happen. If you didn't see it, go look it up. Um, like she would say, I, I didn't eat this whole day so that I would look good in this, in this picture. Or I never wore that dress out of the house. I just wore it and made it look like I was going out to a party. And then I stayed in and took it off and, and, and put it away. Um, she was so worn out at, at, at a certain point that she gave up on it. 
And she let everyone know it just takes so much work because you're always insecure. And you're always insecure with God. If, you, if, you're, if you're trying to impress God with your resume, you're always insecure. It's a lot of work to keep up um, appearances. And in this tax collector, now the tax collector would have been the bad guy. No one thinks the tax collector is the good guy. In this tax collector, Jesus is showing us that when you're trusting yourself, you're always doing stuff and you're insecure. But when you're trusting God, you're able to be free to be yourself. Like to admit that you don't have things together. Like to admit that your resume isn't that good. And the freedom that the good news of Jesus gives us is that you can stop acting like everything is okay. This tax collector goes, he doesn't, he doesn't come in, he doesn't pose, he stands in the back, he doesn't even lift up his eyes, and he says, God have mercy on me, a sinner. Uh, I don't know when the last time uh, you lied was, probably today. Um, I lied today, I think, probably. Um, uh, but like, if you remember like a time where you lied to your parents or you lied to a friend, and like when you got found out or when you like fessed up to, to your lie, like there's a sense where you're like, you feel bad because you're like in trouble or people know. But like, don't you know that feeling of just like, it's like you're almost like you're shaking because you're so relieved. Because when you're lying and, and you're keeping up a lie, it's like work all the time. You guys know what I mean? Like, it's like work all the, you always have to think, am I, am I going to give it away? And when you finally confess to it, there's a sense of just, this sucks, but it's okay. Like it's over now and I can rest Um, you finally just get to be yourself again and be normal again. And what Jesus is saying is when we can come to God to trust in God, we can breathe and admit, I'm, man, I'm messed up. You think you know stuff about me, but if you really knew, you would be really um, surprised. Uh, In in short, you get to rest. I was talking to Derek the other day. Derek, if you are a freshman guy um, or a senior girl, um, definitely meet meet Derek. Um, Hey, but Derek said something um, very poignant to me, and um, he said, "He said, you know, we were having breakfast. He said, I've been like working so that I can have rest, and like he's like, I think Jesus is telling me that I can work out of the rest that He already gives me. In the gospel, the good news of Jesus, you don't have to work in order to rest. You can work." And live from the rest that he gives you just by being honest with him. So self-trust makes us insecure, but God-trust gives us rest. Also, self-trust makes us jerks, but God-trust gives us humility. Okay, look, look at the passage again. Um, the Pharisees thing, he says, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men. Now, he doesn't like compare himself to like really righteous, godly people, which might make him look bad. He says, I'm not an extortioner, I'm not unjust, I'm not an adulterer, or I'm not even like this tax collector who can hear me praying out loud before the living God in the temple. Um, This Pharisee cannot love, he's a jerk, he can't love this tax collector um, because this tax collector isn't qualified enough for his love. When we are trusting ourselves, listen listen up, When we're trusting ourselves, we can't have real good community with each other and friendship um, because we're always trying to distinguish ourselves from other people. Does that make sense? Like someone can't be your really good friend that you're vulnerable with and you have life with if you're always trying to show everybody that you're actually better than they are. Um, And so we say these things in our minds. We maybe wouldn't say them out loud, but oftentimes we say them like, like, 
Well, thank you, God, that I don't struggle sexually with my boyfriend like my roommate does. Um, or, like, or with my girlfriend like my roommate does. Uh, thank you, God, that I'm not fat. Um, thank you, God, that I'm not a Republican. Or thank you, God, that I'm not a Democrat. Um, thank you that I'm not gay. Um, thank you that I'm not a stoner. Thank you that I'm not the person that like, doesn't do work in the group project. Thank you, God. <laughs> thank you for distinguishing me from all these other people that have obvious needs in their lives. So that I can just be okay. Um, thank you for that. We can't have real communion. We're jerks. Like, literally, this person who reminds me a lot of myself, this Pharisee, um, he is the definition of what we call self-righteous. He says, the thing that makes me right in the world, makes me right before God, is myself. It comes from within. And the sad part is that he's wrong. Uh, I was reading this commentator. It's my job to read commentaries and not yours. Um, so I don't usually quote them. But I'm going to do it now. Um, he says, he says that he's not a robber. As if he were not at the very moment robbing God of the honor due to him. He's not a cheat or a dishonest person, as if he were not cheating himself out of a blessing. And he says he's not an adulterer, while probably not literally an adulterer, but was not this proud Pharisee departing from the true God uh, and thereby making himself guilty of the worst adultery of all. The fact that he is calling out that these, thank you that I don't do these things, the saddest part is that he's wrong. And everyone around him knows that he's wrong. And so he alienates himself from other people by judging them when he does the same thing. Because look, who you are trusting, whether it's yourself or God, determines how you will treat other people. Luke says that Jesus told this parable to people that thought that, that trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Um, on, the, on the flip side, uh, this tax collector who is going to God for mercy can see this Pharisee and go, yeah, his issues are really obvious. But man, I'm so needy. And like, I can move toward him in community because we both need Jesus. This is what we say every week at RUF, right? You're never so bad, you're beyond the reach of God's grace. You're never so good, you're beyond the need of God's grace. We all come needy for God's grace. And if we are honest about our sin, about the fact that we don't just come into a situation good, we'd like to think that we come with good motives. I can assure you that you're just like me and you have a thousand different motivations for doing everything you do and most of them are bad. Most of them are self-serving. Most of them, oh, the best thing can happen is if I bless this person and get blessed in return. Um, But when we're honest about our sin and we look to God for his righteousness, a righteousness that comes from another person, then we can move towards other people with openness and love. So uh, self-trust makes us insecure, but God-trust gives us rest. Self-trust um, makes us jerks, but God-trust gives us humility. And the last, the last section here is that self-trust lets us keep what we have. Okay? If you trust yourself, you get to keep what you brought to the game. Okay? But God-trust gives us God and everything else. Okay? There's these two guys. The one comes in. He says how great he is. The other guy comes in. He confesses that he needs mercy. And Jesus says... Right there in, uh, in verse 14, I tell you, this man, the tax collector, went down to his house justified rather than the other. And that word justified, if, you're not, if you haven't been paying attention until right now, this is the time to pay attention. That word justified is a very significant word. 
It's a very thick Bible theological word. It means, to, so for someone to be justified, it means that they are made right with God. Okay? This guy goes into the temple, and when he leaves, God says, everything between me and that guy is okay now. That God declared, it, it, it's, a, it's a term that a judge uses. When a judge declares from the bench, you are not guilty. It's actually more like when a judge declares from the bench, that child that you adopted now is your legal child. It's a declaration that everything is okay, that there is a relationship that is secure between you. It's, but here's the thing. It's not, justification is not something that you do. Did you hear that? Justification is not something that you do. It's something that happens to you from the outside. If you were here, every single person in this room, we're all different. But one thing is true. The only way that any of us get to be right with God is if he makes us right with him. Through the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Pharisee comes to the temple and he leaves with what he brought. He leaves with his spiritual resume. He leaves feeling good about himself. He leaves with a big pat on the back from everyone that he's setting such a godly example and God lets him go home with it. But that he leaves with exactly what he came with. The tax collector comes in with nothing. And he leaves with God himself. And he leaves knowing that he is now an heir to everything, to eternal life. Belongs to him. He leaves as an adopted son of the living God. Because he came to God with nothing. If you come to God with nothing... He will give you everything. And if you come to God with something, he will just let you keep what you have. Because the Christian faith is built on mercy. On God giving you his grace as a gift. If you do something to earn it, God says, that's great. You get, you get what's behind door number one. But if you're willing to give up everything that's behind door number one, I will give you everything behind door number two. Listen to what 1 John 1 says. This is a book later in the New Testament. John says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves And the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you're here tonight and you're like, I'm not that bad. John says, you're lying to yourself. You're deceiving yourself. But if you confess, if you just go to God and you say, I I don't know. But I'm a mess. If you're having this feeling inside, like, I think things aren't right, and you go to God with that, he says he's not just faithful, he's just to forgive you of your sin. Because listen, if you listen to nothing else tonight, listen to this. Honesty about your sin opens the door to God. The door that you feel like is closed. Honesty about your sin opens that door to God. Whether it's for the first time, Or whether you've been a Christian for the last 10 years, and you've been through this before, being honest about your sin opens the relationship with him. Admitting that we are basically not good, but are more sinful than we thought and more needy than we thought, is the beginning of real life. You know, what I love about, I love Flannery O'Connor. She was a writer from Georgia, so she was obviously awesome. Um, While our football team didn't play super great two weeks ago. Thank you for the one chuckle. Flannery O'Connor would say, things like resurrection and Jesus' incarnation, those are the real laws of the universe. And things like death and fallenness are just something that's happening for a little while. 
If you're honest with yourself about your sin, that's the real thing that God wants to, to, to have a relationship with you about. If you, have, if you come with nothing, you get everything. If you come empty, you get filled. If you come with something in the bucket, God takes it, sends you away with what you had. Only people that are in need can get God's mercy. Now, some of you guys are feeling um, feelings, as you want to do. And some of the feelings that you're feeling are feelings of inadequacy. And some of the feelings that you're feeling are, are like, I thought I had this thing figured out, and I don't. And I was really secure that, like, you know, they're, like God is not real, or, like, God is cool with this thing that I'm doing, and now I'm not really sure. And tonight, instead of saying, hey, like, it's okay. Just relax, don't be so hard on yourself. What I'm asking you to do is just to go before Jesus and say, I think that nagging feeling inside of me is right, and I need you. I need your mercy. Only people that need God's mercy get God's mercy. Because um, Christianity is a religion that's built on resurrection. Only people that are dead can be resurrected. That's the only way you get in. Is if you're already dead. And if you're unwilling to admit that you're dead, that you'll never get life. If you're not willing to admit that you're sick, that you're sick, then you'll never get healed. Um, but if you have a nagging suspicion that you're not good enough for God, then there's hope for you. Yet, um, because I want to point out one detail, and then we'll be done. They're in the temple. Okay, a temple is not like a church today. A temple is built with like concentric rooms, and in the innermost room of the temple is a room called the, the Sanctuary, or the Holy of Holies. It's a super holy place, because it's a place where God's presence actually manifested itself. And you couldn't just be like, man, I need to pop into church this morning, I'm just going to pop into the Holy of Holies real quick, because if you did, you would die immediately, and you would fall down. And when people went in, they tied a rope around their ankle, so that if they died in there, they could pull them out, so that everyone else that went in didn't have to die. Because God is holy, Right? Only one person could go into that room and only one time a year. And they had to do all this elaborate cleansing of themselves. And you know what they did when they went in there? They took the blood of an animal that was killed and its blood was poured out for their sin. And they took that blood and they sprinkled it all around. And the whole thing is crying out saying, you're not good enough to get in. Somebody else is going to have to shed their blood. For you, if you want to be with God, because you are worse than you think. Um, this Pharisee <laughs> walks in there thinking that he can make a show. The whole thing saying, you're not good enough. You need the blood. You need something to die so that you can live. You need someone to do it for you. And the whole point was to say, you really need Jesus. You can't get in here on your own. You can't come in with self-righteousness. You need other righteousness. Um, if you guys were in community groups this week, we were talking about, they were talking about David and Goliath. The whole point of all these stories is that God's going to go and do it for you. Jesus' blood was spilled so that you could get in. And I, he asked you to come empty. The bad news is that we're worse than we think. Okay. This is probably the only room on campus tonight where the people are telling you, like, actually, you don't need to think more highly of yourself. You're actually worse than that. Um, 
The bad news is that you're worse than you think, but the good news is this. God did not spare His only Son, but gave Him up freely so that you would not perish and I would not perish, even though we deserved it, but that we would have everlasting life. If you come to Jesus, you can be totally humble and also totally confident. You ever know someone that's humble and confident? Everyone's like, I want to date that person. Um, You can come to Jesus and be honest about your crap, yet not be defined by your crap. You can be like, I'm a mess, and he's not, and I'm with him. Um, You can be skeptical of yourself and bold to move forward with your life if you come to Jesus to trust him. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you invite us to be near you, with you. Um, We are all dying to show you and each other and ourselves that we're good enough. Uh, We need your spirit to help us to be honest with ourselves, um, that we would trust you and find life and hope and rest and peace uh, and life in you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.